G'day and welcome to edition three of Home Loan Hacks, the March edition. Well, hot news today, we just had a rate cut. That's four in a year, how's that? So uh, yeah, exciting news, more about that in the monthly update. Um, really great today, our special guest is Evan Frost, um, entrepreneur, restauranteur, cafe owner, bistro manager, We'll hear more about that later. Really excited about Evan being with us today. And really pleased and interested in the feedback we had from the last month. So thanks so much for those questions about the first home loan deposit scheme. We've had quite a good bit of activity on, on that front. Um, we also had a few questions about near prime lending and PEPA. And uh, as we said in last month's episode, we had two applications going through related to that. Um, and also bank pricing. We've done quite a number of pricings for clients. so. Those topics have certainly kept being active in our office. Um, so today, as I said, Evan Frost, we're really excited to have him here. He's come from a restauranting family, which is Cravings, which is a multi-award winning restaurant in the Hawkesbury. He worked through the restaurant and businesses uh, to uh, become a chef. Uh, he's the manager of that restaurant. And then he didn't have enough to do, so he went and bought himself a cafe, Cafe North, which is really going great in North Richmond. And he's just starting Pit Lane Bistro, which we'll hear more about shortly. So I'll leave it him in Shane's capable hands, and I would welcome Evan. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, you're in the hot seat. Cheers. Hey, welcome. Evan. Welcome. How are you? Good, thank you. Welcome. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. So, um... I guess everyone in the Hawkesbury uh, knows Cravings, um, but tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, I guess your life story. Yeah. yeah, as Martin said, sort of grown up in a in a Hawkesbury family, uh, born and bred in the uh, in the Hawkesbury area. So um, never really spent much time outside the Hawkesbury besides a little stint in London there working as a chef. But mum and mum and dad obviously from this sort of area. Dad with a farming background in uh, Pittown. Um, so we have a lot of family and friends in the area for such a long time. Um, for myself, grew up here playing a lot of sport and things like that, local school um, in Kola High. And then so sort of fell into that hospitality job where I started as a kitchenette at Cravings, which was a, a brand new restaurant at that point in time, um, not owned by the family at that point in time. And just sort of worked my way into the kitchen a little bit once I finished school the apprenticeship started, um, which was really good for me just to sort of just keep rolling with it because there was times where I thought, oh, look, am I really going to do this, blah, blah, blah. Do I have to pick sport? Do I pick cooking? Do I look at changing career? Um, and I just really love cooking, so I rolled with it um, until pretty much finishing my apprenticeship. And then the opportunity came up to buy cravings. So the family sort of sat down and went, look, it's a pretty good investment. And we'll, um, we'll just sort of see how this goes. And we haven't looked back. We're almost, uh, what's that, 13 years under the, under the Frost family name. So um, been really building every year. And that's always my aim is to try and just build the business. Yeah, um, cool. A lot of motivation is coming from building the business up. Yeah, beautiful. And um, the topic of today, I guess, is uh, customer service. So... Um, Obviously, running a restaurant, customer service is very important. Yeah. Um, can you give us, I guess, a few insights into probably fr from a restaurant perspective, what what does customer service mean for you and, and I guess, how do you look out for it? How do you manage customer expectations and, and, and your team's customer service that you deliver? 
Yeah, look, it's, it's probably you've got food and you've got customer service. It's pretty simple. You've, you, your surroundings have a little bit to do with it, but if a person feels comfortable with the way they've been treated, um, then that's the, the whole idea. And then to give them some food on top of that and give them a drink and things like that, you just sort of, it's really, um, it's, it's really comes down to every person is different. Yeah, cool. Um, and that's the challenge we face in our industry is that every person who walks through, no matter if they're a couple, each member of that couple is different. Um, so we're constantly just sort of just trying to please every single person, not just please one table, not just please one group, not just please a whole function. You're trying to please every single person. So you almost have to individualise everybody in the restaurant, no matter who they're yeah, with. Yeah, and I guess you're, you're the manager at, at Cravings. So how do you... How do you make that happen, I guess? How do you yeah, look, understand what they're looking for and how do you sort of, on the fly, try and make that happen for someone? It, it, look, the staff I've got in, in all positions are really well-trained and really good at what they do. They're very person, personal sort of people. And that's what I sort of like as a manager. You've got to sort of hire people that do the customer service part really well because the chefs in the kitchen, their job is to do the food really well. So floor managers and just general wait staff, they've got to have that personality about them and they've got to have that awareness to pick up that, yes, everyone is different. Um, now, for myself, training those staff up is the hardest part because in my industry, in the Hawkesbury, it's very hard to find those really high-class restaurant staff. Mm. So we have to build them up into just being really good personal people. Yeah. Um, so we're not so much training them up to be a waitress and a waiter. We are training them just to be general person to person, really well trained. Yeah, cool, great. And you said you sort of got the food, and then you've got the the customer service. Yes. They're really the two core things. Is there sort of a way you integrate that, or is it two separate things, or how, how does that sort of Look, work? I, in your it's not so you? much. We don't integrate. So in regards to that, we talk to each other, obviously. So you specialised in those You have roles. to. Yep. Um, you, you can't have your kitchen department trying to tell the floor staff how they should be handling a customer scenario. Mm -hmm. You have to put people in positions that that's their job, that's their role. And as my job, like I can't micromanage. Uh, you, I have to take a step back sometimes and to watch what they're doing mm -hmm. and maybe just learn from them as well because let's say one of my wait staff may talk to someone and I think, geez, they're responding well to that. Mm -hmm that person obviously likes that. And then I go to speak to that customer or see them in the street down at Coles or Woolworths. You, can, you know how to talk to them. And mm. in, a, in a Hawkesbury environment, customer service goes well beyond the restaurant walls mm. because we are such a tight-knit community and you're seeing people all the time. So you've always got to be just remembering who each person is, what they like, what they don't like. So with doing hundreds and hundreds of people a week, for myself alone that's too much so with a good team around you like we've got a good balance and we spread that sort of thing in amongst the service team yeah and i guess so so leading on from that in terms of your your team your customer service team what are the positive traits that you look for in your team what are the traits of a person who has i guess good good customer service well just personality really comes down to it um they've got to be professional they've got to be aware um so for myself Body language of a customer is key. Um, and that's what I try to inf to sort of get across to the staff on the floor is that you can tell a lot by their body language, whether someone wants a drink, whether someone's happy with their food, 
by the way they respond to any questions you ask them, um, how quickly they're drinking their wine, how slowly they're drinking their beer. There's lots of scenarios you can pick up from body language and to be aware of those people right in front of you mm. is critical. And how do you, I guess, react to feedback in that sense? Like you see someone, they've, they've tried their food, you, you get an instinct, they're not happy. Yeah. What's your response to that? And how do you sort of go about making that a, a positive outcome? Well, for, for us at Cravings, it's kind of lucky at Cravings that we don't have too many complaints. Um, being there so long, we know what we roughly need to do. Yeah. Um, but obviously, as I said, everyone is different. Um, and if someone isn't happy, we try our hardest to make it right and we adjust the way we talk to them. We adjust what we're giving to them. We suggest things that we know they probably wouldn't like based on what they've had before and not liked. So we, we sort of know how to adjust in the run. Um, and that's the hardest thing for new staff coming into the team that you just sort of need to get across to them just to be aware of what they're liking. Now, if they don't like what they're having, as I said, we just... We have a plan in place where we sort of can go down other paths or we can fix what we've done. And if it gets to the point where we can't fix it, then there's not much else we can do. Mm. We just sort of have to suck it up and go, that was a, a bad experience for, from our part um, and from their part. And there's not much we can do about it, unfortunately, mm. in our industry. Because in our industry, there are lots of choices. So if someone doesn't like what you have to offer, that's just part of our, our job. We don't try to think about too much because it doesn't happen very often. Mm. Yeah, great. And is it is it different from going from, say, a Cravings, which is like a fine dining sort of experience, um, Cafe North, which is obviously a cafe, um, and now how are you going to lead that into how it might be different, I guess, in a bistro environment? Is it much the same? It is the same in some respect. Um, but once again, we go back to where I say we put people in positions that know how to deal with different people. So... For Cafe North, Cafe North, we put rest, uh, cafe people in there. For for cravings, we've we've trained them up as restaurant staff. For the bistro people, we found bistro experienced people because that's tenant, on the customer service. On side. the customer so it's service, even specialized it in, is. In it sense, is, yeah. and it's it's more how people like that bubbly sort of feeling in the morning and that energetic start to the day. You need those morning people, whereas the night people they're more just relaxed and they're flowing mm. through the day, the night. Whereas the morning people are just trying to get people up and going for the day with their coffee. Yep. And leading into the bistro experience, the bistro experience is a little bit different for us. It's a little bit more casual, um, a little bit more less pressure, or less, sorry, a little bit less pressure than the restaurant experience because it's pretty much only half the experience in regards to we don't have to do drinks. Hmm. So as far as customer service goes, it's still the same. You, you just don't have that one-on-one -on -one personal experience at the tables you yeah. have it at a servery in areas like that yeah great okay cool well um just leading on to some some more generic questions i guess that we ask everyone is um well from a mortgage broking perspective what, what do you think people can expect in their mortgage broker um from a customer service perspective i guess look it's 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 pretty similar um obviously you don't have to worry about the food and things like that in, in the mortgage broking scene, but for me, mortgage I guess the brokers food is like the um, the solution. For the yes, client. I guess. Um, and with a with a mortgage broker for myself, uh, my wife and I recently sort of spoke to some brokers and things like that. And the and the most casual ones, the ones that just work, they seem like they enjoy what they do. Would be the way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Someone who loves what they're doing. So like for us, restaurant staff in. 
customer service. We love what we do. We love trying to make people happy. We love trying to get them drinks and make sure they're comfortable. And the same with a broker. It's about making the customer happy, giving them aware of, aware of all their options and just sort of trying to please each person. And by not targeting certain sectors and certain banks and things like that, it give them a range of everything. Yeah. And yet their honest opinion as well. Mm, I think um, it was interesting you, you touched on sort of matching the tempo of the people that you're, you're providing that customer service yeah. to. I think it's very much the same with mortgage broking. Yeah. Sort of some people, you know, have a different tempo they work at. So good brokers, I feel, will, will sort of match that tempo. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in general, business-wise, um, what sort of, I guess, your own personal traits that um, have made you successful or can you give any sort of insight or tips into what you've found useful um, personally in coming through as a, you, you mentioned you're looking to grow and you've grown the businesses and whatnot. What sort of um, some tips or hints you'd give to people or traits you, you'd say made you successful? Yeah, look, we're, we're sort of, growing was never really the, the big picture. Um, we just wanted to maintain cravings, but with the way the world is going, there's a lot of different diversity in amongst us and a lot of people at, at Trent tending to go to some more casual dining experience. So we're trying to cover a few bases there to work out where the market is actually going at the moment because it's very volatile. Um, so we're just trying to figure out what that was about. But in regards to um, growing the business and, and doing that sort of thing, um, for us, it was when the opportunity arose, we sort of sat down as a team and we sort of discussed the pros and the cons, as you always do. And if the pros ever take the cons, it's generally a good option. Hmm. Um, now, for myself, the, the options with the bistro and the cafe, they, they came about and they were good opportunities for us. So we had to jump on them. And yes, it's a lot of work at the start. But once they get up and running and they start to develop into their own little businesses, um, my job's quite easy. So if, say for the cafe, I have a team at the cafe who pretty much run the cafe, mm. um, which makes my job easy. All I'm doing is book work and just monitoring the performance of everybody a little bit. Mm. Um, and then the bistro is very similar. We're putting a team in the bistro, um, just getting it going is the hard part. Mm. And then hopefully it all just sort of sinks in with each other. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about the, I guess, challenges of a, a changing environment in, mm. in restaurants. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? I'm just interested. I wouldn't have thought, you know, you would think we all eat. We all, yeah, look, we all need to eat. So how does that, and we all enjoy going out for dinner. How, how has that changed? I'm curious. Look, I think it's just, there's a lot of factors in the, in a, a lot has changed in 10 years. Um, from my experience, when I was growing up in the restaurant industry, it took a long time for cravings to get going. Um, it, but social media is a big mover for us now. Um, and we had to embrace social media because if you don't, you don't survive. Um, so word of mouth used to be the way. Um, and it still is a big player because people go by the amount of cars in the car park, what they're hearing on the street and things like that. But also pictures tell a lot of words on Facebook. So good photography yeah. um, for, for food and things like that. But the service part to it, you can't put a friendly face on Facebook. And on Instagram and things like that, you can't offer that customer service part to it on the social media platform. So that they get them in the door. I you guess, have, and that's you have to you get would, them in the yeah. door, and you have to make them very happy by giving good customer service and the food backing up what they're seeing online. So that's what's changed a lot for us in in terms of in terms of the uh, clientele changing a little bit. 
the Hawkesbury's a little bit different because we were such a, as I said, we were such a small, tiny community with the population growing and new homes popping up everywhere. There's lots of new people coming to the area who are expecting something they would get down the city and the options they get down the city. So for a long time, the Hawkesbury's only really had it, cafes, a couple of restaurants and a couple of bistros. And now they're sort of starting to pop up everywhere in all different areas. We need to sort of make sure we've got a few of those different areas covered. Yeah, cool. And um, obviously some, some recent bushfires and stuff. Has that had a, any impact or how, how, does, how does that affect a little business like Look, yours? It, it affects us. Um, it's, it's, it's good for the area in regards to the way that we've all branded together and got back on, on the same page. Um, we know that a lot of local areas have done it quite hard. Um, the whole Hawkesbury in general has done it hard. And just to get people back to the Hawkesbury is probably the main aim. Mm. For us, as Cravings, we've always dragged a lot of people from the, the Peen areas and the Hills areas and things like that for lunch. Um, it's all about just tapping on other things doing while they're out here. Yeah. So trying to get them to stay overnight, trying them to get to visit an orchard, and then just trying to get them to branch out to not just us but to everybody else and vice versa. They come to one of the cider companies or they come to a farm to go and visit another farm or a restaurant or a cafe and maybe even just stay over at night somewhere. Mm. Um, that's always good for the Hawkesbury area when they stay. Yep. And for me personally, that's something that the Hawkesbury kind of lacks in regards to that. We don't have enough accommodation, but there are still plenty of bed and breakfast and a few hotels around. We just need to sort of, as a, as a community group, just be on the same page and work yep. together to, to enhance what we've got because we've got a lovely community. Yeah, beauty. Well, yeah, I certainly like... Uh, well, I've liked the, the experience at Cravings and Cafe North, so thanks so much for coming mm. in today. Okay. And um, yeah, pleasure to have you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. All right, we'll now cut over to the monthly update. G'day and uh, welcome to the monthly update for March from Loan Market Richmond. Well, exciting news. We're actually filming today, Tuesday, the date of Reserve Bank. It, it uh, got announced like an hour ago that uh, rates have gone down by 0.25%. And as at filming, CBA has already announced they'll pass on the full amount. I suspect most banks will. I wonder what yours does. Keep an eye out. So that's great news. That's four rate drops in the past year. And there were economists were more thinking no. And there were people in the financial system that were more thinking yes, it would drop and possibly even another drop next month, but we'll wait and see. Other things in this last month, we've had a lot of interest in the first home loan deposit scheme. We've lodged two or three loans under that scheme. Uh, we did one with a major bank on the 1st of February when a new tranche came out, and we're just about to put two more in for clients uh, at smaller lenders, because that seems to be where the only eligibilities are left right now. Still really strong attendances at open homes, shorter days on market, Agents starting to get a little bit more stock, so they've got a few more properties for sale. Um, yeah, very much seeing a lot of confidence in clients at the moment. Um, Shane, have you got any things you want to add to oh, that? Oh, just lots happening. Um, yeah, so plenty on the go. Yeah, we've certainly got plenty <laughs> on the go in our office. We've been running really hard in the last few weeks. Uh, certainly the interest and the activity is really strong. Um, not sure if we're going to see a lot of movement in prices, but um, most real estate commentators are saying 
there is price growth happening right now. Hard to get trend data on that until it comes a little bit uh, in the future. Certainly looking like most of early last year's drops have been um, pulled back and that there's certainly somewhere around where we were 12 months ago. Not as high as we were two years ago because 2018 was a, was a weaker year. So yeah, we're running strong, we're running hard and that's probably the main points for our monthly update. Well, now we've got a new segment, so uh, super exciting. It's something we're calling uh, client stories. We just thought that what goes on in the office is something of great interest to a lot of people and also shows how banks can be very different. So if we just bounce a few of them, uh, we had one to do with the maternity situation, Shane. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, so maternity leave is, um, I guess, treated differently by different banks. Some are a flat no if you're either going on maternity leave or are on maternity leave. Um, some will sort of accept it if there's maybe three months to go. Mm. Um, but some lenders, and, and one that we've lodged uh, this month, basically client about to go on, on leave for an extended period for mm. over six months, um, that lender, it's within their policy to say, yeah, no problems mm. as long as we've got a return to work letter mm. um, stating that they're returning to that job and on what pay, mm. then that's, that's normal for that lender. So very different from lender yeah. to lender, but... Had, had a solution for that one. Yeah. And that was an interesting one because that client works for a bank and the bank said, sorry, no. So that was one that was interesting. And I've never done one before where I lodged before a baby was born. So that was pretty cool. Um, the next one we had was a client who we've helped with a home loan and uh, we're refinancing other properties they had. Um, tell us a touch more on why they did that, Shane. Yeah, so uh, this particular client was coming up to the end of their interest only period, um, wanting to reset that interest only, mm. uh, it was on an investment property. And um, at the same time was looking to, to review and compare, I guess, if that was still competitive. And mm. um, this particular person uh, and product we got was 3.39% interest only for investment, mm. um, which is a cracking rate. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, that's the sort of things that are out there for the right. So that's 3.39 before the rate <laughs> drop. So that could be 3.14. We'll, we'll see what that lender We'll see does. what that lender passes yeah. on. Uh, fascinating change in that space where regulators have loosened the strings on investment lending. It used to be geared right out and they're now much closer to the home loan rate. So big changes in that space if you wanted to explore in your situation. Uh, next one we've got is um, a first home loan deposit scheme. The one we did on the 1st of February. Tell us a touch about that one, Shane. Yeah, so for this particular client, didn't quite have a 20% uh, deposit plus cost. So in... In the old days, a year ago, they would have paid mortgage insurance, um, about five or eight grand, I think it was. Seven, and, um, yeah, that client was seven. Yeah, yeah. so in this instance, um, with the first home loan deposit scheme, the government is actually providing a guarantee to the bank, which, uh, which means that they no longer have to pay mortgage insurance. Mm. So um, Martin's got a lot of videos out on the first home loan deposit scheme. And um, mm. so, yeah, have a look at those, check those out. But, yeah. Um, yeah. And that was an interesting one because that was a Saturday, the 1st of Feb. Uh, we knew how strongly the first scheme in January had been picked up and the client wanted their own bank CBA. So we lodged it on the 1st of Feb on a Saturday and we didn't get the eligibility for two or three weeks and the CBA and NAB, the big bank eligibilities are now pretty much gone. So uh, all to smaller lenders and we have a sneaky supply of those. Uh, in fact, that's the next one we've got is we've got two loans we're lodging right now and they're with a small lender where there's 26 small lenders, so you can't get that scheme through ANZ, Westpac, St George, 
ING, Suncorp, Macquarie, a lot of well-known brands. So smaller lenders seem to be where the eligibilities are. And the last one we've got is, tell us about the one with the family allowance and the older children, Shane. Yeah, so the way a lot of lenders will treat family, like let's look at family tax benefits, A and B, mm. for instance, is that if the child is over, let's say, 12, a lot of lenders will start to say, well, up until 18, there's not that long left on that income. Mm. Um, however, there are some lenders that will say, okay, no, well, we understand that you'll be getting that income until that particular child is no longer a dependent, mm. so no longer a financial dependent. So we'll accept that income. And that's um, it's rare across across mm. banks, but there are one or two banks, three or four, that, that will accept that income. Yeah, so we haven't done the prime research on that one yet, but we know of one major bank in like the top eight banks. We think all the others don't. And there's a smaller lender that we believe will do it. So we've got to do some more research on that one. But that's unusual. And that's the same for maintenance payments as well as family tax. So that client had $20,000 income, which would have been ineligible at most lenders. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's a little bit of exciting stuff that we get pumped up about day to day. They're real scenarios that we're lodging in our office. Uh, we're calling this client stories and we hope you enjoyed them. And there's more. <laughs> We're still rolling here. So sorry, this is a bit raw. This is the real thing filming live. Um, the next session we've got is um, the rant, the monthly rant, my favourite. Now, these aren't too crazy. I'm not going to be yelling and screaming, but the rant this month is, is a pre-approval a pre-approval? What's that about, Shane? Well, what do you think a pre-approval is, Martin? When is I reckon it? the bank says it's okay to go and buy a house. Okay, so if I give the bank all my document, my broker, all my documents, they okay. lodge the application, they yeah. send me a, a thing that says I'm pre-approved. Yeah, that's it. What's, what's it? actually happened to that application? Isn't that it? Well, you tell me. What's well, not it? <laughs> no, so it's not. So that's, that's why we're upset. With two or three of the biggest lenders, about half of the lenders that we would deal with regularly will not assess that pre-approval. Can you believe that? They will do an electronic assessment this includes big brands, big names, names you see in the street. They'll do an electronic assessment. They will do a credit check and they will give an eligibility based on the data entry that you have done. There's other lenders that will do what I would want them to do and I would seek for any client who's searching, especially at an auction, where they would fully assess that pre-approval. Um, yeah, I don't know I if guess... we want to name and shame or say... No, well, I, think, or... I guess that's what um, the rant is that... Uh, for lenders or, or even other brokers, you, you might be getting a pre-approval, but you want to be very careful on confirming what's actually amounted to that. Has it been fully mm. assessed? And I think that's the wording, isn't it? Has it been fully assessed? So has an yeah. assessor looked at the deal and said, yes, I, I see everything. Um, I'm happy with this deal, like they would for a full approval and, mm. and signed off on it. So there's, there's also so, so some banks that will check some of the information just yeah. to make sure that the documents are there, but it's not actually an assessor that's that's mm. that's giving the. Approval. And we've had one one this week at a top five lender that was a big loan at ninety percent, and we got a pre-approval. Tell us a little about what we hadn't got, and what you were chasing, and what your experience was on that one. Yeah, so some banks have little funny nuances where the the application might go to a to a senior credit officer who who basically signs off on the deal and says, yes, I'm, I'm willing to say that this loan will be pre-approved. But that file might then go back to the original assessor who has to then check everything, send us 
basically an updated confirmation to say, yeah, well, everything else in the deal's fine. They might have sent it to senior credit to get one aspect signed off. Mm. However, we can get an electronic pre-approval at that point. So it's just a little so bit So have you murky. got something written that's really solid from that lender or can you talk to that assessor now on, at every lender? Well, that's that's our rant, I guess, is that it can be quite murky. So, um, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we want to have it. Same as on the phone, just this last couple of days for a client who deserves an answer. We haven't got a document in a certain format. We're not satisfied that it's showing in the system as rock solid and we want to give rock solid. So that's what we're in there doing, fighting to find this out. But we just want you to know a pre-approval is not a pre-approval and banks do change their rules and what they do and don't assess. So these things come and go. We're constantly uh, in contact with uh, BDMs, with other brokers on chat rooms, on forums that are related to banking that uh, we're trying to find out the facts around this and then explore it for ourselves to validate. So pre-approval is not a pre-approval. That's the rant of the month. So that's, uh, that's the last topic for today. Uh, it's been a bit of good fun. We're settling in episode three. Super excited about it. Thanks so much for the feedback. Really happy with the session with Evan and well done, Shane. That was a cracker interview. Great, uh, interesting stuff. We had a few broad ideas, but you took that in really interesting places about where we're at in the Hawkesbury right now. So come and support the Hawkesbury. I really liked a lot of what Evan had to say. He's a very perceptive guy talking about it's all about customer service and having the right people who can do that and great food and that's it. But that there's different environments for a prime restaurant, for a cafe, for a bistro and the touch points and the methodologies are different. <coughs> Excuse me. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, thanks again. Uh, looking forward to the next couple of episodes. Well, I've put up online, we've got some really exciting stuff coming up. We've got one with Sam McCool and he is a really impressive guy. He has a big uh, company that he owns, which is a, a legal firm called MSA National and some interesting strategies that he used that are really client, oh, sorry, he's staff friendly. But more we want to talk about a higher branch, which is his giving back of living consciously. So that's going to be fantastic. Really looking forward to that. And also we have upcoming uh, Sean Goncalves. Uh, Sean is a local accountant at Lamb Low and Partners. And Sean's a really cracker bloke and a great accountant. And he's going to talk to us about um, buying an investment property and some of the nuances around that. So that's really cool. So thanks again. Signing out of episode three. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for having us. Good stuff. <laughs> Have a great month. See you soon.